0: Bombers striking at a soccer match, diners murdered at a restaurant, and guns storming short, it's concert it's ball. It's a concert hall. Authorities in Turkey Tonight, say a pair a of explosions rocked the Atatuk airport in Istanbul oh just moments God, ago. The Turkish God, justice God, minister explains A stunning, that, I think killing, this time a morning church service in Normandy, France turned into a deadly hostage situation. ISIS terrorists claiming responsibility. Terrorist attack Senior attack in, uh, in the church in the town of uh, in the uh, early ray, hours of this morning as a priest uh, was giving mass, uh, saying mass to uh, a couple of nuns and a couple of other uh, parishioners. Uh, as far as we know, the story now from here
1: on uh, I look inside myself and see my heart is black. My red door, I was tugging into black. Maybe then I'll fade away I haven't faced the facts. It's not easy facing
2: up when your whole world is black. It's important to understand this is a line in the sand. We've crossed it now. And you're going to see more of this coming. You're going to see it come across Europe, and you're going to see it come to the United States of America.
3: From Caritas of Birmingham, this is a Radio Wave Medianomics special with a friend of Mejigoria. It's not easy facing up when your whole world is black. The normal reading from Egenomics is Matthew chapter 6. Do not worry about your life. Can any of you, by worrying in a single moment to your lifespan, why are you anxious? So do not worry and say, do not worry about tomorrow. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. And we've seen more than our share of evil in these recent days. We spoke with a friend of Mejigoria at his home the day following the attack at the church of Saint-Étienne-de-Rouvet, and this is our conversation. The other day we heard the tragic news of this church in France, and these Islamic assailants came into the church while a priest was saying Mass, and they took some members of the church hostage, there wasn't many people there, and uh, they had forced the priest to his knees, and then at the altar they proceeded to give some kind of homily or sermon in Arabic or some unknown language. And uh, after this, they slit the priest's throat. The whole world is completely reeling from this news. And we just wanted to ask you, what was your first impression? What are we to make of this event that just happened just a few days ago? The first time it appears, at least in these recent days, that they've actually gone into a church and done something like this. Well,
2: first, we have to sit there and understand that this priest was not murdered. He was martyred. It's a big difference. Of course, the media's going to put that. Nobody even puts it in the proper context. Here's an 84-year-old priest doing Mass, in the middle of Mass, and he dies because he's a Christian. It's Our Lady who said the words, holy martyrs died witnessing. He didn't deny Christ, which they would love for him to do that, and maybe in the details they may have asked him to do that. I don't know. But one thing I do know he was martyred because who he was. But I think what's been missing on this thing is where the world will not see, most Christians will not see, the significance of this. This is huge. Because everything that happens in evil and everything that happens in good always is right in script of a meaning. But you can't find that without reflection. The fact that this priest was killed at the spot is very, very significant. This is really the straw that broke the camel's back. I've been to France. I've been 30 miles from this church. I've been five minutes from this church. 30 miles from there is Normandy. Walking through those U.S. cemeteries that France gave us that land. It's our nation. It's part of our country. Seeing those crosses, seeing the cliffs that these soldiers scaled together, the countries that allied together to fight evil. This is no question If you know geography, if you're well-read, if you understand the signs of the times, if you observe the signs of the times well, you will see this is huge, much bigger than you can see on the surface of just a news report. And that's all we have to reflect. What does that mean? It means that this priest is a sign of what's to come. We've arrived at that point. You say, what about Paris, attack there, or this or that, or 9-11? No, this is when they're coming after us because they targeted him specifically and they targeted his church specifically and the fact that it's five minutes away where the youngest commander-in-chief of all the forces of a nation and a woman was burned at the stake is incredibly significant. I prayed at the stake. I've been there. I've read Joan of Arc's court trials Immediately when I heard it, and that it was in Rouen, I said, let's look at this. I want to see where this church is. And I was not shocked that it's only five minutes away.
3: Now, you mentioned Normandy, the Cliffs of Normandy. And it's interesting that in the last century, the world has had to come together to rescue France twice, World War I and World War II. Do you foresee that the possibility exists that that might have to happen again?
2: Yeah. Yeah, we, we have to do that it happen again it depends on really our shepherds what they do the army's there i remember reading about vietnam how frustrated the soldiers were because they had to have guns and at one point they couldn't even load their guns and if they had to load them they could not shoot unless they called even being shot on until somebody higher up their shepherds in other words gave them permission to do it and so i know the Bishop of Ron has said, if We can't fill our churches with guns, it's prayer. That's what our he's been telling us to do is to pray. But we didn't do that. And that's a ridiculous statement if you think that David on the Sabbath decided not to fight and they were getting slaughtered. What did David do? He started fighting on the Sabbath. Am I saying fill the churches with guns? No. But don't have that mentality that if it's necessary, we do that. If we do what we have to do to protect ourselves. And this is non-confrontation. Last program of was, this is the call to confrontation. We must confront this. And by confronting it, we squash it. We're in the powerhouse, they're not. You say, well, they just spring up anyway. We're letting this. And so the bishops have been on the forefront of this immigration stuff. And they care for them. And they're refugees and what they do more than they do us. We're refugees in our own land. We're not being protected by our shepherds. Out of the false compassion or being misled and thinking they have compassion, well, we help these people. You can't open your doors. A wall needs to be built. That's not kosher, according to many of the bishops, I'm sure. Well, we've heard it. It's unchristian. Are you crazy? How's that unchristian? If you think it's unchristian, I want every bishop to take the lock off the door of the house. Because our house, our nation, is our house. It's our castle. And so don't give me this argument. Don't give me the mentality that we have to be doing this for the immigrants. i have said it repeatedly for the last two three years that we're in a situation that the bishops could stop. And if you don't do and call us out to the streets and abandon some of your things you're doing in your conferences about allowing everybody to come into the nation and inviting the way you invite and being on the wrong side of these issues, your head's going to be on the guillotine and you're going to have us martyred. I place a big responsibility on what's happening and what happened there on our shepherds. Their gun is the staff, and they're not calling us and leading us in this way.
4: Now, coming back to the Radio Wave studio, you made that statement just the day after that priest in France was killed. So are you saying that this priest's death was the result of the bishop's fault in this? Well, let me explain it this way.
2: The party defense spokesman, Mike Hookum, he was a former Royal Marine. He stated that this last appalling murder in France shows that militant Islam is at war with people of Europe and with peaceful religions. Can you argue that? No, you can't. Well, let's go to his next point. He says, every day, now we have a new story of bloodshed, and European leaders need to face facts rather than spend their time trying to convince people this isn't a problem. And that's what will happen with the bishops. They've been behind this and for it. He blames Juncker, which is one of the politicians, and Merkel, who is Germany's president, whatever they call her. Merkel and other EU leaders who oversaw the mass migration without any security checks, quote, they have blood on their hands. So who else has blood on their hands? That's my answer. Merkel and other EU leaders are the only ones we have in criminal justice what's called complicity. Complicit means that you aid and abet in the crime that's been committed. So, with these EU leaders and Merkel, we have somebody else who's complicit with this migration. You reflect on who they are, and you can answer what Joan just asked me. You know who they are. They've come from everything from sheltering to not reporting them in this country, the United States of America, being illegal, from everything to speaking to them in their own language instead of the demands of speaking English and become an American and assimilating into our own culture. And our bishops have been complicit in this. So you say, how dare you say so they're complicit with blood on the hands? Will you say that, was it Kate in San Francisco who got killed, cold-blooded, died in her father's arms, said, Dad, I don't want to die, by an illegal who had already been arrested repeatedly? which the Catholic Church has many places across the land, fostering these people, caring for them, helping them, even getting attorneys for them. These things happening. They're complicit with the crime, and they're neglecting us as a people. Mike Huckam went on and said, we defeated the Nazis, so we can defeat these murderers if our leaders admit to what we are facing. And so we're sitting on our hands in the office of shepherds because they foster most of the migration. Hooker said, quote, this last appalling murder in France shows that militant Islam is at war with the people of Europe. That's us. That's them, and that's coming our way. With the people of Europe and with peaceful religions. It's not the government. And who is the protector of the people? There's... Always out there, well, we're the shepherds of our diocese, but when it comes to this: we're not being defended, and the wisdom's not there to do that, because they're on every side. That's the wrong side of our social issues. For example, Archbishop of Iran in the statement that identified the slain, which was the priest, and the killers as victims. Where do you get that from? See, they're always wanting not to defend you still commit murder. Your conscience still knows what you're doing is wrong. They may have been radicalized. They may have been trained because these were young people that did it. It's still, though, you don't put them in the same category as a victim as you did the priest. This is where we're insane in what we're hearing from our puppets. This is the archbishop who said that. He said, quote, I've learned with sadness of the killing this morning of the church of St. Etienne, the three victims, the priest." the priests, Fr. Jacques Hamel, 84 years of age, and the perpetrators of the assassination. How do you do that? How does your mind stretch that except you've gotten so far from truth that you don't even know what truth is anymore? And so we put them where they're victims too. There's a lot of victims in hell. Satan put them there. They're a victim of Satan. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be in hell. And God forbid that these two youths had to go there if, if they did, because it's only God's judgment, because we don't know what they were doing or what they are raised. So that's God's problem. I don't make no judgment on that. I do make a judgment on the actions. Why can't the bishops do that? He also said, the archbishop, that we cannot take weapons other than those of prayer and brotherhood among men. This is this idiotic contradiction of the catechism of we have a right to defense, People are arguing at these Republican convention and the Democrat convention that we're one nation. We're united. We're not. I wrote years ago, to Americas. Because of Our Lady's coming is the separation. Those who go going toward light, those who go going toward dark. She made it very clear. You choose. It's your decision. Against God or for God. So the separation is a necessity that heaven brings to us, to Our Lady. Separation is happening. That's even among the bishops. Unfortunately, most of the bishops are on the wrong side of all these issues. A few good ones we have, like Cardinal Sarah and Burke and others like this, Chaput. But they're very minor and very few in numbers. So what I'm saying bishops, that's what I'm speaking about. I know there's a few out there, but it's very few. The Archbishop continues and he says, he urges Christians not to give in to violence and to become apostles of civilizations of love. The Catechism says, Love towards oneself remains a fundamental principle of morality. Therefore, it is legitimate to insist on respect for one's own right to life. Someone who defends his life is not guilty of murder, even if he's forced to deal with his aggressor, a lethal blow. That's legitimate defense. Don't tell me we're supposed to be defenseless in our churches. We have this Archbishop calling for this. It's absurd. We're going to become apostles of civilization of That means to protect the ones you love first. Where this church is located, right next door to it, is a mosque. You know how they got there? The parish donated the land to them. See, we're putting other religions on the same level as Christianity, and we think this is okay, and we're just showing... It's going to invoke something back to us. Yeah, lady did say love invokes love. But you also have to be wise and know your enemy. You love your enemy, but also you should know their agenda. We have this right of defense. It's a basis philosophy that you cannot have or take weapons in a church. It's a contradiction. The number one church in the Catholic faith, the St. Peter's, that was just there. You got Swiss guards with swords. And Pius XII, during World War II, told the Swiss guards, get rid of your garments as far as your spears. He gave them machine guns. So St. Peter's Basilica has people. They have secret service. They have weapons there. It has a wall all the way around it. And the peasants and the pews can't have protection. What's this Archbishop talking about? This is the thing I want to point out, that they're on the wrong side of almost everything that comes out. They're confused in this life. We've had the county sheriff here tell us, if something happens, you're on your own. They're second responders. This is absurd thinking. We got to be a thinking people if we're going to love our families, love ourselves, love our nation. We're first. They're second. You say, it's not Christian. Yes, it is. We're not dominated yet, but we're headed there. If we're completely dominated, we're going to pay with our lives. There's nothing else we can do. But at this point, until that time happens, we still have time to put priority in our churches Our shepherds call for a defense of ourselves and protect it. That's not against the civilization of love. That's becoming an apostle of the civilization of love. It's atrocious to be non-confrontation in the face of evil. And it's against the catechism. And we're not getting this from our shepherds. There are all the other sides of the issue. They wanted health care. They got it. They fought for this for years. The government should do it. They want to house illegals, breaking the law it's okay for them to do it and promote that. They've promoted government welfare, promoting the sin of laziness, which is paid for by the taxes stolen from the pockets of the taxpayers, the citizens, who's just trying to support their own family. Even St. Paul said in scriptures, when I was amongst you, I worked for my own keep. But we don't have this out of the church now, out of the puppets. It's just give and do something for everybody else. Do the poor, do the poor. You know what Cardinal Sarah said? Who's from Africa? whose country has many poor people, very much people and impoverished. He said, those who want to eradicate poverty, make Christ a liar. All you bishops out there, you're either right or Cardinal Sarah's right. This is a direct quote to him. Those who want to eradicate poverty, make Christ a liar. So either Cardinal Sarah's a liar or you're a liar. He continues, they are mistaken and lying. What does that mean? It means when Mary Magdalene poured the ointment on Jesus' feet and Judas complained about that, the money could be given to the poor. Jesus responds saying, you will always have the poor. That means we'll never eradicate poverty. That's what he's referring to. This cardinal is what every bishop should be. And he's over the most impoverished region of the world than anywhere else in the world. So this is my tie to those bishops that have fostered this, just like the Archbishop of Iran, who's saying we can't put weapons there. We can't do that. They care nothing for us. they non-confrontation. That's been the sin of the bishops for a long time. No confrontation. We want you to confront immediately, and we will follow you. We will be behind you. You don't even have to fight. You don't have to put your life in danger. We're willing to do that. And if we don't confront, we'll no longer be. This is atrocities of non-confrontation and it's coming from our shepherds. We got a bishop in Germany who stood against Hitler and he became outspoken. He was so strong that Hitler didn't touch him. All the while he was killing other priests and driving bishops away. He didn't touch Bishop Gallen because he had a following. He was able to get ahead of that. The other priests had no following. It was expendable to eliminate them But the popularity of this other bishop, he dare not touch him. You're now in a point in a period of time to make your voice known that it won't be politically expedient for your enemies to eliminate you because it would be too damaging to the dictator or whoever or whatever is going to try to stop you. Now's the time to speak. Later you won't have the voice or you won't be able to build the voice.
3: Just to jump in real fast here, as you're clarifying your The point earlier that you made, the bishops, generally speaking, the bishops are always on the wrong side of these issues, whether it's poverty, immigration, all of these things. Not just me, but I think every Catholic out there, every Christian out there, most thinking people out there are totally baffled by why are they like this? Immigration is a big issue in the world. It's a big issue in this election. Catholic News Service is always talking about it. It's it's everywhere. Uh, Poverty, all of these things. But for what reason, though, are they so stuck on these social issues?
2: Well, let me answer that partially indirectly, And then directly, I'll answer that because there was one of the comments. Many people are commenting on about this in France. One comment said, quote, I think it was the bishop of the area, talking about the Archbishop of France, where this took place, who was yesterday telling the faithful that this is a sign they should be prepared to die for the faith. So, see, this is how they answer. Oh, you gotta be You gotta die for your faith. You gotta be ready for this. No, we don't. You can stop it. I've been saying this for years. You can stop it. I've been warning you. This is coming. They continue with a statement. It says, telling the faithful that this is a sign they should be prepared to die for their faith. What? And then he says this, the writer. What? Even the women and children question, he says, the ones who make the comment. Should the women and the girls be prepared to be violated for their faith? And we changed the word violated from the R word that he used. And he continues and he says, that's not good enough. Truly, this is not good enough. There's a misreading of the people in the pew. We are frustrated. There's a misreading of where we are in the country as far as the anger of our politicians not doing what they want to. And they don't know how somebody who's not a politician has risen to where they are. Cardinal Sarah, I vote for him if I could vote as a layman for Pope. This guy's got it together. Why don't the bishops out there have it together? Because they follow a social doctrine that they lied, saying the government is to take care of the poor, to eradicate poverty. And even if they never say the word, that's what the government has really said over and over and over. This is a program to eradicate poverty. And Cardinal Sarah says, you're a liar. And most of you bishops out there have supported this. So he's saying you're a liar. You can't be both way. If he's a liar, then he's a liar. If you're a liar, you're the liar. One or the other is. And so I'm one Catholic that's faithful, obedient to the magisterium. Everything I'm supposed to do, I will not be disobedient to my church. But I am... And the bishops are the apostles. I understand that I've said this repeatedly, and I have to qualify myself again, sadly, so that people won't say that I'm against the church. I'm saying this because I am for you. I'm not going out there in the streets and trying to usurp you. I want to go out in the streets with you. You have to make that call. I know and believe in your power. You don't, because if you did, you'd stand up. The answer directly the question you just asked me is because, is it shame that you are silent because what happened for decades in the scandal of the church? We're not holding that against you anymore. It was scandal. But don't let that be the cause for you being silent. Amend it by speaking out. That's what the program was on Medianomics a couple weeks ago. I call it a confrontation, and we're going to speak about that a little bit more. We have to start confronting in a time that we can do the confronting. Otherwise, we'll be completely submissive to the system that dominates us, because we still dominate. We're not acting on the power we have, and the bishops are sitting on the power. The most powerful group of people, group of men, above Congress, the U.S. President, and this land. You say, well, the president has... Command and chief of all the Navy forces, the military, etc. That's not powerful. All right, he says peace won't come through them. It's going to come through us, being led by our shepherds in the correct way. You're not leading us in the correct way. In fact, you're not even leading us. You're just going to your conferences and you put out your papers. What does it mean? Nothing in the end.
3: So to clarify about immigration, because... People may misconstrue it that you're anti-immigration or all these other things, but, you know, and, and the bishops and the social doctrine people all talk about love of neighbor and we have to love these people and we have to protect these people and the refugees and so forth. And this is dominating the Catholic news world. So what, do you, what would you say to people who say, well, you just don't love those people. You just don't have love of neighbor because you're the way, the way that you're speaking right now.
2: This is where there's no sorted out, clear logic, common sense, baseline wisdom coming from our shepherds. The Forgaming guy, which is by Maria Vortorto, who is buried in the Catholic Church. People say her writings were condemned. Well, how could she be condemned in her writings and be buried in a Catholic Church? I've been there in Italy. Maria was asked to ask by some seminarians, our lady, if, if we could read these books, because at one time they were on the index. And he said, one must read them. She didn't say, oh, they make for good reading. She said, one must read them. Why did she say that? Because they make an incredible slant on the messages she's given today. It's part of her messages. I wrote a letter to Cardinal Ratzinger because we were getting resistance on this, about reading these books because they were on the index, as I said. I asked Cardinal Ratzinger in my letter, can we read these books? He sent the letter to John Powell. John Paul sent it to the Italian bishops' conference. The Italian bishops' conference sent it back to John Paul. John Paul sent it back, of course, to Ratzinger, and Ratzinger to my bishop. And the ruling was, the faithful could read these books. They cannot declare them supernatural. They're the literary works of Maria Vitaura. I'm perfectly fine with that. This is how the church works. They can get another ruling later. What's important with this point being made They're very powerful in understanding what Jesus did on the earth, what he said. So I'm not concerned about saying, well, we can't declare these supernaturals. They're saying the same thing about Medjugorje. We're doing that, aren't we? So why can't we read these books? You get these books and you'll see the slant on everything that he's saying today in Medjugorje. That's why she said you must read them. It gives you the proper perspective of what she's saying today, of what Rabbi Torda says that Jesus told her, in the 1940s. But he addresses this. He talks about the fatherland. He says, even if you're surrounded by mighty armies, if you are faithful to the law of God and your fatherland, you will win. But, he says, if instead you are corrupted by the subtle poison by those who surround you, in other words, those who are strangers, the foreigners, Who's given you an, an abbreviating honey, but yet at the same time has a plan for you and not for your good, which is what Islam has, radical Islam. I know, I know Muslims. I have, I'm friends with some Muslims. And I've seen some convert. I've seen some not convert. But throughout the cycle of history, we see this coming up because only 5% of them changes the rest. The rest follow. That's the problem that constantly has come up. So we have these strangers in the land. Jesus goes on and says, who's given you honey, but they're not concerned with you. He says, then God will abandon you because of your sins. In other words, the honey they offer is their way. It's not the religious, it's not the Christian way. God will abandon you because of your sins and you will be defeated and subjected even if your false ally does not wage a bloody battle with you. Do you know they're taking people into slaves? some of the Muslims are to this day, and the call of these radicals is to subject you. Jesus says after this, without the bloody battle, woe to him who is not as vigilant as a sentry and does not repel the subtle snares of a false, shrewd neighbor or ally or conqueror who begins his domination over individuals weakening their hearts and corrupting them with the usages and habits that are not ours, speaking about his Jewish people back then, or let's say the Christians, that are not ours and not holy and consequently makes us unpleasant to the Lord. Woe to you. You must remember the consequences brought about to our fatherland by the fact that some of the children adopted usages and habits, and that's what happened to Solomon, and we have followed habits of his wives which brought down his kingdom. And actually, our lady said a message that so many people, after they've begun to pray, convert, fast, do penance here, quickly forget when they return to their homes and to the bad habits. And we've got Hollywood, which is foreign. But also we got Islam, radical Islam, to take over the caliphate. This is what Jesus is warning about. These kind of different this neighbors. Where is the love of the neighbor in this? Is Jesus is speaking about this. How are we supposed to deal with at the same time love our neighbor? He says, you must remember the consequences brought about to our fatherland by the fact that some of our children adopted usages and habits of a foreigner to ingratiate themselves with him and enjoy favors. That's how the enemy comes in. Richard, you're helping us. You're doing us good. Let's come in. Let's come in. So you get the satisfaction. You're helping the immigrants. And you just have open borders. Or is it another form of how they give you favors? Jesus continues in the point of man, God, it is a good thing to be charitable. See this now, Jesus comes qualifying. What he's saying? I'm not saying not to be charitable. He said it is a good thing. And this is the distinction between what we see on our side of the pew and what we see the shepherds on the other side of the pew. We can be tough. We can be restrictive. We can deport people. We can check them out and see where they come from and say, no, you're not worthy to come in this nation. And no, you're not coming here even as a good person, but you don't want to become a citizen of our nation. America's first. Italy's first. France is first. That's why you go there. You don't go there and say, I'm coming here from Afghanistan, and that's first. No immigrants came into this nation up to the 60s and 70s and saying that we're going to bring our nation here and we're going to dominate. And that's where the bishops are with this. They're complicit to this, and all the crime that comes with it, that's harsh words. That's some strong statements. Prove me wrong. Jesus says, It is a good thing to be charitable with everybody, also with people who are not of our faith. See, we're supposed to be good to everybody Muslims, non believers, whoever. He continues, Who are not of our faith, who have not our usages, and who have harmed us through the ages. We're supposed to be forgiven whatever's happened in the past. Jesus is saying that. But, and he says this with a big caution, but our love for these people who are always our neighbor must never make us disown the law of God. The law of God is everything. What is it? Jesus says, never make us disown the law of God and our fatherland. We are abandoned in America by not demanding from the people that they speak English, demanding that they amalgamate into our country and have a love for our nation. The Vietnamese did that. They did it in the 70s. They were very loyal to our nation. But we don't demand that loyalty any longer. And much of that is due to the complicity and the actions of the bishops in the church and the papers and the doctrines that they put out. No, I don't say doctrines. It's not accurate to say doctrines. It's not a doctrine of the church what they do. And where it's a doctrine in the church, that the lecture, the death penalty is wrong. We can be for that. And what would most bishops say? We can't have the death penalty. Then we can't handle Christ because he's a liar and God's a liar because the penalty to pay for our sins was death. God ordered that. Makes me sick when I hear about these Catholics and all the bishops and people behind this saying we can't have the death penalty. That's why we're going down the tubes we don't understand, we don't have wisdom to see the right social issues and which side to be on. Make us disown the law of God and of our fatherland for some premeditated benefit exerted by our neighbors. What's the premeditated benefit of the circumstances we find ourselves in the world? To take what they want and be takers and be taken care of. They don't give in to this nation when they come in. Or France, they're going there for the purpose of migration, not immigration, they're migrating to that to claim the land. And don't mistake me, they're allowed to do this and they're coming because of our sins because we haven't lived what we're supposed to be doing. Like Cardinal Sarah said, those who want to eradicate poverty are on the wrong side. Many in the church are on the wrong side of this and it leads from one sin to the next. So the premeditated benefit exerted from our neighbors. Jesus says, no, foreigners despise those who are servile as to disown the holiest things of the fatherland. we hired some Mexicans years ago. I remember when two of them walked past me, they spit on the ground. There was no harsh words said. We was being real friendly with them. They despise us. As Miriam Vitorta wrote about Jesus, what he said, because they don't respect us. Because we're not demanding. You're coming here to learn English. You're coming here to learn to be American. You want that? You don't want that? Then get out of here. That's not on Christians. Jesus is saying this, and you cannot contradict this, that this is not right and correct, except you come up with your opinion because you're not standing on truth. We're submitting and become servants to their values. Why should they respect this? I was given a letter today from one of our supporters. They're about to go to school with us. And she's from the Philippines. And she writes about her becoming an American citizen. She says, I made it. And best of all, it was our Blessed Mother's 4th of July gift to me. See how proud she is to be an American. She says, I shed tears of joy yesterday when I saw the priority envelope inside my mailbox, June 22nd. My oath ceremony was such a blessing. There are 109 of us representing 27 countries. God truly bless America. See, this is the kind of citizens we want. You got most people coming in who is coming in as an invasion. And this invasion is a people who has no interest of learning our ways and becoming an American citizen. Therefore, there's no purpose for them to be here. They don't need to be here. We don't need to allow anyone here under those circumstances. Immigrants invigorate us. They have our positions, but we don't want to be always taking the bottom of society. And this is where we take issue very strongly with the positions the bishops have taken on migration, because that's what this is about. They're taking overlands. It's not immigration. Foreigners despise those who are servile as to disown the holiest things of the Fatherland. We are rejecting our holy land, our holy ground. The flag we allow to be burned is not free speech. It's sacrilege. Jesus continues, It is not by denying one's father and mother, God and the Fatherland, that one achieves respect and freedom. In other words, what Jesus is saying at the end there, denying your Fatherland, but rather by preserving and loving the Fatherland, is how we achieve respect and freedom. They don't respect us. They're slapping us in the face. And I I tell you, this is purely with this immigration on the bishops. Come in illegally, then they get things handed to them, and they're protected. Lou Holtz has some things to shed lights on this as far as immigration and what's happened. And I think it would be of value to you to even clarify it. And if he can coach the Notre Dame football team, which is Catholic, I think the advice he gives is some pretty good coaching for the bishops.
0: What holds a country together, the core values? And What, what are our core values? I don't know. We, we talk about immigration. 13 million immigrants, that, that's not illegal, that, that, that's an invasion. But I, my, my four grandparents came over from the foreign country. They all went through Ellis Island. And I remember when my dad wore into war and during World War II, we moved to East Liverpool to live with my grandparents while my dad was in the service. And they were from Chernobyl in Ukraine. And they, when they didn't want me to understand something, they would speak in Ukraine. I said, teach me Ukraine. She said, you don't live in Ukraine. You live here. You learn to speak English. That's the only language you need to know. I feel the same way about immigration. Not hard. They come here. Welcome. Come here legally, but come here to become us. I don't want to become you. I don't want to speak your language. I don't want to celebrate your whole yours. I sure so want to cheer for your soccer team. What you
2: just heard from Coach Hose, what you've heard me say before him, is what people won't say in the pews, but they believe it and they are thinking it. There's been a big, big void of understanding of where our hearts are. We're hungry. We want the leadership, and we expect it. And I've been saying it where this is leading to with this French priest for a long, long time.
3: A friend of Medjugorje has been saying this for a long time, that if we do not confront the danger that faces us as a people, as a nation, because of inaction on behalf of the shepherds, not leading the people, listen to just a few of those times. On July 24th,
0: 2014.
2: And you got this blatant vote recorded. Roberts is 100% responsible for this. He could have been the one that stopped it, and he didn't do it. And I've not heard one thing from the bishops condemning this man, his actions. Not one thing. When, when are we going to hear from this? Wake up. Because if you don't, and I'm talking to the hierarchy of the church, that if you don't wake up, one morning you'll do what they did in France, wake up to the guillotine. It's coming. You're going to be the first to go. We'll be second. We're we'll just lay people. We pray for our shepherds, we respect them, we love the church, we're obedient to the church, but wake up, church, before it's too late.
0: On December 17th, 2015.
2: It's time you await this Christmas. We need leadership. We need a physical call. We don't need it at the Bishop's Conference. We don't need no more papers. We don't need no more pronouncements. We need you to lead us.
1: My is turned on.
2: This Christmas, this novena we're doing now, you wake up your bishop. You hold him accountable. You do what you have to do. No more sleeping on this. Realize what's at stake before you put on the state.
0: On November 12th, 2015.
2: Because where the world is going is after you, the highest authority, because the enemy recognizes your authority more so than you recognize your authority. And because you're not using it and you're just using it in meetings and having bishop conferences and you're sitting writing papers and not getting out in the streets and calling the people, you're going to be killed. You're going to be crushed. We're asleep and you're like i using your authority and the power God has given to you is going to cause our being martyred.
0: On August 25th, 2015.
2: Don't be ashamed of Our Lady. Don't be ashamed in front of other bishops. You better stand now while you can, while you got the power, while you got the moment, because the times are getting darker, and it won't go well for you, nor will it for your sheep, because of you.
3: A friend of Medjugorje told of dying for the faith, being brought to the guillotine, because of not standing up, because of not confronting when the small band of people across the ocean started a revolution called Isis. Islam Khair Isis is
1: the physical
2: manifestation of threat that there's a spiritual threat that causes this and so we have Isis spending enormous amounts of money for videos that they produce that I've read that Hollywood can't even produce the quality hardly. It's very high-end and they've got one out right now that's just been released that they're coming to France, they're coming to Moscow, they're coming to New York, they're coming to Washington. These people mean what they say, that's their intent. The question is, is what's going to stop that? So they show this with army tanks, machine guns, you hear all that. They show on one place of it that really the ultimate goal is the center of Christendom. See, they believe that. They don't think it's Baptist and Methodist, not to say nothing against that. The point is, is they know the head of Christianity is the Vatican. And they show tanks of what our end of the world would be like. They've got tanks and assault trucks, everything, attacking the Vatican. They've made this up because that's their goal. And we could have laughed at that 20 years ago. It's absurd just 10 years ago. Now it's a reality. We can see that this can really be.
3: But how real is the threat of this band of strangers across the sea bearing a black flag? How real is that threat to us and to our way of life? Is ISIS the real threat?
2: ISIS is not the threat. That's why I like you saying, you don't have discernment. You don't know how to discern. The threat is what caused ISIS. There's a tree that grows something, and then the fruit may be poisonous. But the trees that grew this is not ISIS. It's fruiting from the tree. The tree is our own sins. You don't get this kind of power that's so small to become what it is unless God refrains from it. God's our protector. Holiness incites God to protect us. You say, well, holy martyrs died witnesses, as our lady said. And yeah, she said, but I am a Christian. She qualified that first saying, I am a Christian holy martyrs died witnessing. So we may be carried to the guillotines. We may be done that for reasons, but it was for the pagan sins that we built and there were witnesses, showed them to convert. We're not convicting the world. And what they're against and a lot of what they're doing for is because they see us as infidels. Are you offended by that as a Christian? Why would you be offended by that, being called infidels, when Our Lady Ourself says many Christians live like pagans. We've adopted the pagan ways, and when that grows, so does evil. And evil eventually will correct us, because it makes us go back down to our knees. It's interesting, this French priest, that the jihadists made them do something that was good for him before he died. They forced him on his knees, which is where every Christian needs to be today. This is what will stop ISIS, now, it will come through military, it may come through governments, but that don't happen if something doesn't happen to our hearts. And nothing's going to happen to our hearts unless we're shepherd in the right way and we're fed. And so, what's the tree that grew this? As Cardinal Sarah talked about, about those who want to eradicate poverty, and calling for that as liar, our whole conferences with bishops have been after this for a long time. And... They might say, well, we know we can't eradicate poverty, but they've done this and called for the government to do these things, and we're pursuing the wrong things. Poverty is best relieved and affected by our living holiness, and that's not what's happening, and that's not what we're getting. But now we're at the end of the window to do something, and we've got to confront. It is time for confrontation, because if that's not the case, as I've already said, It's when we have to pass it because we're shackled.
4: A friend of Medjugorje has said that his thoughts are not spontaneous, they're not without formation. He said, We are at the end of the window, the end of the line. And he can say this because of what he was seeing. 18, 20, 25 years ago. Through Medjugorje, a friend of Medjugorje has intensely watched the evolution of evil in our world today, nation by nation, visiting many of these nations, walking the streets of these nations. France, in particular, captivated his heart because of France being the eldest daughter of the church and because he believes Joan of Arc is a representation of Our Lady, a precursor of Our Lady. Listen to a talk he gave in France in 1998 in a church called Saint-Eustache, and you will understand perhaps better what you are hearing in this program tonight by what he was saying to them 18 years ago.
2: When I first came to Paris, I was in a period of silence. I wasn't going out speaking. I had to learn what it was that Our Lady wanted me to do in my she life. I didn't anticipate that I was supposed to be here for you. But I know when I came here to Saint Stetch St. Church and I prayed, Maybe. I can't tell you how many times I cried. I walked the streets of Paris weeping, looking at France. What has happened to France? The eldest daughter of the church.
1: I'm an American, wept for
2: you, and my heart still does. How is it that on Rudebach that Our Lady appears St. Catherine, holding the earth in her hands, and she tells St. Catherine, this represents the world, and then she says something profound, and particularly France, this apparition was for the world, the miraculous medal was for the world, and of all the nations of the earth, she says, particularly France. So what does it mean? When a nation ceases to be, and it's reduced to two square blocks, France was going to be no more. England in the Hundred Year War had, had defeated France. Wow. The king had conceded, and God sent a pure virgin, weak by the ways of the world. Joan of Arc rose her up to win France back to France. God intervened in the history of France to save you, and it was a prophecy. France is the example of what Our Lady does today in Majigoria, because she comes to save the world. Lourdes, Rudebach, several major apparitions have happened in France. La Salette. Christ. It is not God's plans that France goes away. It's one of the few nations on earth that God's direct intervention to save it.
1: Has happened. Save it the-
2: and so the, Our Lady says the world is as in a whirlpool. It doesn't know in which sin it sinks in. And so of all the places I go, I feel called to be here. To show you the position you're in. What is that position?
3: So, we just want to ask you that 18 years ago, you told the people of France that you wept for France years before that. Do you still weep for France?
2: Well, I can say with weeping for France, that's literally it's true. I walked the streets. I visited all the places, all the holy sites. And for years I've been speaking there these thoughts were not something spontaneous with that formation. it was not from some speech I wrote the night before for a talk. I knew my subject and it was all what came from the heart. And yes, I saw in something in France of what was coming, that they were betraying who they were and there'd be consequences for that.
3: Indeed, there would be consequences. And 18 years ago, you said what those consequences would be and why they would be.
2: St. Louis de Moffat, you're saying again, wanted to be where you are right now. He wrote 400 years ago that a time would come when Mary would be made known as never before in history. She would raise up apostles of the latter days. They would be purified as the children of Levi, and they would be given rule over the impious. Your way is not in charge at this moment, if you follow Our Lady. So while we may not be in charge at this moment, Our Lady wouldn't be saying the words that she says to us unless we will be given the reins. It's not going to happen through politics. It's not going to happen through earthly powers. Our Lady says, today I invite you to comprehend your Christian vocation. She says, I am a Christian. What did Christianity mean in the early days? How did Christianity come into being dominant during Constantine's time? Our Lady says in this message, holy martyrs died witnessing. Don't think what Louis de Montfort said, that you're going to be given rule over the impious without the greatest of sacrifices.
3: So certainly prophetic words uh, that were said 18 years ago, is it still true that we should be weeping for France?
2: Now we need to be weeping for America. We are where they were. 18 years ago, today. The difference is that 18 years of purification materializing is going to be much shorter for us because it's already on the earth now. Satan's pouring forth everything. The apparitions are in the 35th year. So everything has advanced. And so what comes to France now can easily come to us. We still have some time to change things around. And he is doing great work in America and other places in the world. But much of their script is written for purification. The thing is, is, there's going to be one country that can stabilize the world that needs to stay stable. Otherwise, the whole world will go in darkness. There's nobody to stop these things except America. So we should be weeping, and we should be repenting, and we should be turning around. And now we got things that's happening in France back then happening now because they want to open up in Oklahoma, the mouth of hell, so hell can come on the earth. We've got in Oklahoma right now a satanic ritual being planned called Black Mass and the Consumption of Mary set for August 15th.
4: One week ago, on July 21st, 2016, a friend of Medjugorje put out an emergency call in the Medjugorje program entitled This is a Call to Confrontation. He was asking everyone to write the Bishop of Oklahoma, Bishop Coakley, and we'll be giving Archbishop Paul Coakley's contact information. So stay tuned to the very end of the program so you too can respond and write him a letter to stand against the blasphemous black mass and desecration of a statue of the Virgin Mary that's taking place on August 15th, the purpose of which is to open, they said, a hell mouth, a mouth directly to hell. We've had a lot of people, a lot of supporters who are being responded to this plan, this call, and we have one, they called in this past week and told us how they were responding to a friend of Medjugorje's emergency call.
1: After listening to the Megonomics on July 21st, it was just such, such disturbing information about the Blessed Mother's statue getting desecrated by the satanic group. So I immediately uh, texted my priest and told him about it. He was a retired colonel in the service. He became a priest when he, like, Six years ago, which he was probably, I would say, 60 then, he worked at the Pentagon and worked with a lot of high up people. And he was compelled to, he went online and looked at everything, was compelled to tell everyone, all his parishioners about it, and to uh, compel people to start praying the rosary and to pray to stop this action that's going to take place. And that's, uh, that's what he's been doing ever since.
4: So, what do you think of how this supporter? approached her priest and what his response to her request was. I
2: guess that could be answered by asking the question is, why do we not have priests that respond or bishops that respond? We've got a lot of good priests out there, but some of it's background. This priest was military. This priest is a retired colonel. This priest was in the Pentagon. He knows and understands danger. He knows there's got to be a reaction. He knows that he needs to have a confrontation because you learn that in military. Jesus was not passive. Many places he went, he left with the people divided in two, fighting with each other, one defending Jesus and those who was with him and those who were against him. So we've got the wrong ideas about we have, we're one in America. We're not one. The whole purpose of our lady coming right now is to divide. You've got to decide, it's already been stated, which side you want to be on. There is no more common ground. We're getting more distance from dark, and the dark is getting more distance from the light. And so that goes all the way through us as laity, it goes into the pulpit, it goes into the cardinals. I would dare say this priest learned more through the military of how to fight spiritually than he did in the seminaries. In fact, I would stake anything on it. He has real-life cognition of battle. You apply that to the spiritual, then you have experience.
4: We spoke last week in the Meganomics program that Oklahoma City is the front line of the war at the moment. And if you give in to this, if you don't do anything, they're going to take this ground. And you don't just take ground. Once you take it, you're ready to move your line forward. And we had heard from another supporter who lives in Arkansas. She said the same group of people are scheduled to come to her state, Arkansas, after Oklahoma. So you imagine your state. Are you ready for a black mass, a desecration, a hell mouth to come to your state? Where does it stop from there?
3: Well, one question for a friend of Medjugorje. This news breaks open and you tell people to become active in trying to stop this. And in the midst of this with within the week's time this event happens in France where the whole world can see real evil in a physical way is that any coincidence we're not saying or we're not conjecturing that it happened for this reason but is it a coinc is that any coincidence that in the midst of this when you talked about evil and what it's going to bring that this happens in France,
2: Well, I saw in France years ago that what they were doing towards Satan and honoring him. I think it was 2000, they built something right in Paris in honor of the devil. And here we are 16 years later. And so where there's an effect, there has to be a causation. You cry out to the devil. You want him to be there. You want him to possess yourself because these people literally said, why are they doing this? They said they're trying to get damned. That may be shocking. How could anybody think that? On last week's Maginarix, we talked about Adam, the satanic priest. He said there's a certain element of beauty in the darkness that you don't find in the light. It's cold and stark, it's right up in your face. If you can't deal with it psychologically, you're going to have repercussions. But that doesn't mean there's still not a dark beauty in the darkness. He said he found something very beautiful in the cold darkness of evil. Something striking. You can only see that if your heart's so evil that you want to bathe in evil. We don't have the mentality even to understand something like that. So the things that's happening in the world today is difficult for us to understand why when we think we're well, as foolish as crazy that it will go away. Evil degradates from one stage to the next, all the way down to the pit of hell.
4: One thing that has always stayed with me it was a comment that Pope John Paul II said concerning Medjugorje. He said the reason so many people in the church have a problem with Medjugorje is because they have forgotten the supernatural. They just don't believe in the supernatural. So how do we get church people to take a stand against what's going on in Oklahoma if they really just don't believe in the supernatural power of of the devil, that he's really that active today?
2: I think a lot of people do believe they just cross A about it because the people doing these ceremonies, the people in league with Satan, they believe it. They want to be part of it. They want to be part of hell. They they state this. But what we have, too, is the devil— can't just decide to go have apparitions somewhere like the Virgin Mary did in 1981, suddenly appear, have them every day. And so he needs these people that he's been growing since the Virgin Mary walked the earth to give him a vehicle to come and do things that they're just like we've already stated again about Paris. They're singing a song about kissing the devil. When the machine guns start ringing, that song was playing by the rock band. They opened up to evil. They were singing along with this. And this gives the ability for Satan to do a lot of things because God withdraws from that. The angels withdraw from that scene. And wherever there's a vacuum of God, Satan will come and fill that. You heard what Jesus said on the cross. Father, why have you abandoned me? God withdrew. Jesus was covered with the sins of all times from the beginning to the end of the world. And the devil had complete reign on the events at that point. And Jesus says, I'm abandoned. So when you embrace the devil where the devil is, and the people want that, then you drive the angels away, and you push the Father away.
3: And as you heard a friend of Medjugorje say earlier in the broadcast, France is the example. It's the example of the future and the world, and also the example of supernatural. And we're going to hear now from a friend of Medjugorje When we spoke to him the day after these events took place in France, tell us about an extraordinary supernatural event that happened in France. Now we're here with a friend of Major in his writing office where our lady appeared here about 13 years ago. And here as you have a a shelf or a, a cabinet, a glass cabinet with a lot of little spiritual mementos from a lot of different things. And kind of drawn to a statue that you have right here. looks like a soldier holding a banner. And at the the base of that, there's some dried flowers. Can you tell us what that is?
2: It's a statue of Joan of Arc, and the flowers are taken from the spot she was burned at in Rouen, France. And I was praying at that spot and read her court trials there one morning early. It was very cold. And just imagine it in the people, they said that people wanted to see her because they were fascinated by her. And of course, some thought she was a witch, others didn't know, others didn't believe that.
3: Now, who said she was a witch?
2: Actually, the English came up and said this, and a lot, some of them, even some priests, English priests and a bishop, there was different ones, and that this just got said. And because you you can't explain somebody is ending a hundred year war and defeats the British. It's unexplainable. So rather than say it's from God, which turns God against England, and what they're doing, it turns in their favor of France. The only way to explain it away is just what the devil did with Jesus. He's not that. He's Beelzebub. So his power comes from that. So they say This power came because they didn't deny she had power and a divine power. They just missed, they wanted to redirect the source of that power. So they burned her as a witch, basically. These voices weren't from God. And so that penalty and that punishment for that is burning at the stake. But at the same time, they were fascinated. They came out of the house as house. They said the rooftops 600 years ago was covered with people watching this. And everything burned except our hearts. And they threw that into the River Seine. And they wanted to be rid of that. They didn't want any relics. But jump to the French Revolution, she had a sword that was told by the voices talking to her to go find that she would carry the sword. And she was to dig behind the altar, I guess pull up the tiles and dig behind the altar. And she found the sword, cleaned it up, and that was the sword she carried out. And the other thing was a banner. And I think they had a lock of hair of Joan of Arc. In the French Revolution, to show how anti-God this was and how much they hated everything and what represented what France was and to bring in the enlightened age and liberalism they decided, uh, they decided that mob came in and destroyed it. We lost it. So there's no relic of John of Urke. Even that day, when our heart didn't burn, does something miraculous. They threw it in the river. So we begin this with the significance of why this happened, of this beheading, of this priest is five minutes away from Joan of Arc where she was burned at the stake. It's very simple. Patriotic Frenchmen over the centuries have regularly recalled the memory of Joan of Arc when defying various invaders. Why is that? Because God chose her to save France. And when they need something, and they get in trouble, they call on her. So there's no accident, there's no coincidence that this priest was martyred this close to this except for those people who will see this and bridge that gap in that thought, hey, we need Joan of Arc who saved our nation to save us now. Adding more significance to this location, sandwiched between Joan of Arc's side of being burned at the stake, 30 miles on the other side was D-Day, the turning point of the great World War II. These are signs that add more significance to this whole event. So you have a rallying call from heaven showing what they need to do. And I'm sure Joan of Arc is watching this. being she's the prefigurement of what a LA lady's trying to do to the world today, which is to save it. That's why when she held the globe in her hand and said it was the world, and particularly France, we've got the example of a proxy Virgin Mary, Joan of Arc, Saving France in a proxy way that Our Lady now is coming here to save the whole world.
4: Joan of Arc had the sword. That was her weapon. Does Our Lady have a weapon today? A friend of Medjugorje tells us she does.
2: She's got a weapon. And that weapon is the rosary. And she's talked about armor. The basis of her messages is military. Not in the sense of physically going out and, and fighting so much, but there's time is there is times for Christians have to do that. But for the purpose of a defeat, we're in spiritual warfare. And spiritual warfare is like what Viska said, that if you have war in your heart, it will physically manifest. She said that interesting enough in Paris. And so they ask her about the war in Boston. She says if you have war in your heart, physically you'll have war. And so We don't have this in our heart, but it's been forced on us, and we're coming down to confrontation. We have to realize that. And yes, some of that confrontation is going to be peace and being martyred like this priest with no weapons. But at some point, those weapons that the French came in and confronted these two. And so we're not to back away from that at the same time. We will arrive at a point where these French soldiers won't be there to do that, and then you have to just resign yourself and be martyred we don't have to do that. There's not any reason to do that. And that's why I'm so strong about our shepherds calling us out. Because if we don't have a confrontation now, while well, we still have the, the upper hand, when we have the underhand, all you can do is walk to the Coliseum and be martyred.
3: You heard a friend of Medjugorje earlier speak about the weapons, in particular the sword. And in a surprising conclusion, to our conversation in the writing office. This is what he has to say about the sword.
2: So this sword is, is really, if you wanna put it in terms of our circumstances right now, the bishops of the sword. If they put themselves in our lay's hands and lead us, they're the weapon because she says, you cannot do anything without your shepherds. Yet we're the army. She says, you are my apostles, my son's apostles, He's chosen. That's the bishops. And so we, we're we the troops. And we're the ones that's going to fight everything. We're the ones that's going to fight the battle. But without a call to battle, you can't fight. George Washington, the Indians tried to shoot him over and over and over in one battle. And they said they knew this man was from the great, great spirit because they had bullets shoot right through him. He even wrote his mother, George Washington, saying that Miraculously, he survived. He had had holes in his clothing that he should have been shot, and he wasn't. And later, 20 years later, they wanted to meet him, the man who couldn't die. And so, why did they want to do that? Because if you kill George Washington, you you crush the morale of the troops and they can do nothing. We can't rally without our bishops. And they're not rallying us. And that's the problem. And it's a serious crisis if they don't do it in the time of the greenwood, and the time of drywood, we all would be martyred with them.
3: So, you've talked about a lot of topics tonight. You've talked about immigration, you've talked about France, Joan of Arc, ISIS, a whole lot of things. The priest who is martyred. What is the relevancy to all of this that you've spoken about tonight? to what you're speaking about now of what's happening in Oklahoma. How, is, how does all of this make sense?
2: Let me ask you a question. Do you want your flag of the United States to be painted black? That's the answer. Satan wants to paint the whole world black. He's the prince of darkness. So make no mistake, Francis' flag is not black. But ISIS plans is to raise a black flag all across France. This is no different than what was happening. In the Battle of Lepanto, October 7th, with the Turkish fleet, they were being overrun. They called everybody out on October 7th when we were going to lose all of Europe and be been taken over by Islam. What happened? Our Lady came to the rescue. And that's why we celebrate October 7th, Our Lady of the Rosary. She saved the world, the European world. But don't misinterpret this. The rosary on that day caused the fleets, our fleets on the good side, to defeat them. So there was weapons. There was fighting going on. It's not just prayer. You have to have both. And so don't think, that if France gets a black flag over it, then we won't have the same thing here. In fact, George Washington, a vision that he had, we've written about many times in American history you never learned, he said there's three woes. The first was a revolution, the founder of the country. The second was a civil war. And there's one yet to come where there'll be clashing of swords all across the land. That's yet to come. What does that remind you of? the clashing of swords. This is not going to be stopped unless we stand up and stop it. You might not know all this history. You might say, I'm stupid. You're not stupid. You're not well read. This is my point. You have to be read to understand all these things and put it together. Your prayers become more powerful. You know what to pray for. You know how to pray. You know how to discern. You know what's happening. We're well-read in this community on the messages of a lady because they're part of our day every day. And you can peer into the future. I speak with authority of what I'm saying. I am not guessing at what the future is. I know what the future is. Yes, and I believe a lot of that comes from deep prayer. But also has to be supported of your wisdom and history to know future. They took up Our Lady's Banner in Europe to defeat the Turkish fleet, the Battle of Lepanto, and they know it was a miracle. It was clearly a miracle. That's why it's celebrated. You know what their battle cry was? Long live Mary. And 50 years before that, Joan of Arc took up her banner and her sword to defeat England and save France. We people are in the same situation today. This seems like medieval times. Why does it seem this way? Because it is. They're not using technology, drive a truck down the road, kill people, get a knife, kill people. It's primitive. With all our technology, we're not stopping this. Our battles are stopped with prayer. Our battles are won by fighting. This can't be battled except through prayer and our own reactions. And if we don't take up Our Lady's banner today and what's taking place in this Black Mass and other things, then we'll be dominated. So you got the Black Mass in Oklahoma. You got France. You got ISIS and its desire and its determination to put a black flag over it, this country. You got Joan of Arc and what it tells us by what happened to her and what she did to save France and pointed back to the death of this priest on the same spot. And you got the example of the Battle of Ponto in the Mediterranean when Europe was called forth out into the streets by the Holy Father to pray the rosary. All these things of the past and all these things that's happening now in our time are merging together showing even a parallel outside of ISIS of the assumption of Our Lady who she is versus the consumption. Evil wants her destroyed because she's leading the battle for the whole world today to save it and give it to her son. So where do we go from here? We reflect on what's happened across the world. And where is it coming to? It's coming to America. Yes, God raises up France, but at the same time, there's one country in the world that's very necessary to help change the direction of the world, and that's the United States of America. We're in a very significant position right now, because if we follow, the world falls. The march is taking place across Europe, foreshadows what's going to happen here. It's coming. The march that's going knows in the end they have to destroy this country. And that's why you have people that's being interviewed today that ask about the most evil country in the world and many people in the United States are saying our country. That's how unknowledgeable they are. The lack of wisdom is going on. They don't see this and understand this. What would it be like that we had these circumstances in front of us at this moment and we know nothing and have no apparitions of the Virgin Mary? The world would be in despair with no hope. Already people who don't know about the apparitions are saying we're bankrupt. There is no solution. We don't know what to do anymore. We know through the political process that's not going to change things. And we're lost. But thank God we have the apparitions which gives us guidance. Words and wisdom that we can implement as a solution. Our Lady is the answer. Just like for France, 600 years ago, Joan of Arc was the answer. We're not going to change things through the political process. We change things through the political process when we become God's people and live holiness. And so we have this thing in Oklahoma to open up the porthole of hell. And we do nothing. Just like in 1979 when they desecrated the crucifix and pig urine and jar and called it art. And we did nothing. You say I can't stand up for this, or I, as a bishop, this is not the right thing to do. How can you say that? You celebrate every year Martin Luther King. You have masses for him. You do these things because he did something great and changed his society, and all these praises and accolades for decades. We've done this, and he's not even Catholic. How do you reconcile? You praise that, and you sit on your hands when we have the Virgin Mary been desecrated for our express purpose to open up a mouth of hell. To pour out, evil, and this isn't the first time, and it's going to be the last time that we have to stop this now. And so I don't know how you can sleep at night. I don't know how you can sit on this when you've got a position to do something greater than Martin Luther King did for all of Christendom, all Catholicism, and you don't act. How do you balance that on the scale? And you give him accolades for decades. You acknowledge what he did is a great thing. And you got more power, you got infrastructure, you got the whole diocese, you got the whole United States Bishops' Conference to do something, and you don't act? This is a contradiction. You stand in a position to do something bigger than what Martin Luther King did, and you're not going to do it? I don't understand that. Do you know what would be said of you by not acting? Can you reason out what they would be said of you by acting? If you're backed into a corner, You'll begin to fight for what you believe in. At what point do we say we're cornered? At what point do we strike back? Yet again, that's the purpose of persecution. It puts you in a corner and forces you to reflect on who am I? And that's what Ayes says. That's what she's showing us. Who are you? You're her children. Who is your brother? The Christ. And we're supposed to propagate that, not accommodate everybody else. We're submitting our Savior to other faiths. We convict very few. So this persecution forces a realization of what it means to be a Christian. It forces the realization that I must take a stand. That's what must happen in Oklahoma. We can't keep backing up the line because the corner is going to get so tight we're going to be crushed at one point. We've got to come out of the corner and we got to fight. And we need the shepherd's call. We need Bishop Coakley to be the megaphone to rally us and not just come out there and stand around and just hold signs but to go in there to stop it. Would that take something to vote? You bet it would. Recently we read in the 10th century about the city of Osberg in Bavaria. It was under siege by pagan Hungarian tribes. The city was close to falling. You know what happened? The bishop of Osberg decided to put on his armor and take up his sword to defend the city. I read a comment about this. It was written, Today the bishops of Christendom are siding with invaders and the German leaders are inviting the barbarians into the city. Things will not end well. So that was bold of the Bishop of Osberg. This is what we need today. But if we're not bold now, we're going to be on our knees and having our throat cut later. And so we must see the signs of the times that our said many times, look around my children at the signs of the times. They are here Jesus said, when you see the dark clouds coming, you know a storm is approaching. What else do you need? We're in a position today in the United States of America to be weeping. Our Lady's apparitions are here on the earth to seal up hell. This black mass, this desecration, with its plans to smash a statue in a ceremony of the Virgin Mary, And through the rubble, a priestess takes the pig's heart out of the statue that's there and will pick it up out of the rubble and eat it. It's for the purpose of consuming Mary to open up chaos everywhere. That's what they hope to achieve. And if they're doing that and submitting to the devil, why would they not? Especially if we just give them free reign to do so. This is not free speech. This is not a religion. This is not legitimate. Our forefathers, would never stood for it. There has to be a new start. Our Lady is here calling us. Do we hear her? She wants us to be true to her. She said, February 1985, Dear children, you have always prayed that I not abandon you. Now I ask you, in turn, not to abandon me. We will if we do nothing about Oklahoma. And will she stay with us? Oh, America, don't let it be woe to America. ended the hundred-year war. Our Lady is here to end the century of Satan. At the end of 1999, Our Lady said, through your decision for God, a new possibility for peace is opened. Only in this way, this century will be for you a time of peace and well-being. And let our battle cry be to this next century of peace. Long live Mary. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Good night.
3: To respond to the call put out in tonight's broadcast and in the previous Megonomics broadcast, this is the contact information to write to Archbishop Paul Coakley. Again, it's important to emphasize the importance of the written letter. Emails are impersonal. Do not email. Write a letter to Archbishop Paul Coakley and follow up with a phone call. The written letter is the most powerful thing you can do, along with your prayers. So after you write your letter, be sure to follow up with a phone call. With the Catholic Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, Archbishop Paul Coakley, spelled C O A K L E. Why Archbishop Paul Coakley? The address seven five zero one North West Expressway. Again seven five zero one North West Expressway Oklahoma City Oklahoma Seven Three One Three Two Again Seven Five Zero One Northwest Expressway Oklahoma City Oklahoma, seven, three, one, three, two. The telephone number, four, zero, five, seven, two, one, five, six, five, one. Again, four, Zero, five, seven, two, one, five, six, five, one. This ends the Meganomics broadcast with a friend of Megagoria. To order this broadcast on CD, you can contact Caritas in the U.S. at two zero five six seven two two thousand. Again, two zero five. Six seven two, two thousand.